Great to see you this weekend. I don't know about you, but I'm a fixer-upper. Any fixer-uppers in the house? Man, when God found me, boy, did I need some work, and I still need a ton of work and need His grace and mercy. Welcome this weekend to all of our campuses across all over East Tennessee, Internet, Bledsoe our, and uh, Morgan County, our God Behind Bars. Welcome to all you guys. If you, Whatever campus you're at, we want you to feel loved and welcome because we truly do love you. Now, vacation season is here, and I always have mixed emotions about that, uh, but I just want to challenge us. Let's be faithful to God this summer. Amen? Let's be faithful in worship. Let's don't take the summer off. And so if you're on vacation, great. You go enjoy it. Have some R&R. But just, hey, plug into Internet Campus, as you're going to see in this message You're not going to want to miss a message of the fixer-uppers because God wants to do something great in our lives, and the only way he can do that is for us to be ready, and that means having a firm foundation. So that's critical. So just stay faithful. Stay connected. Let's just don't bail this summer. We also have six weekends, counting this weekend, until the end of what what is our church budget year at the end of June. We're about $200,000 behind budget. And I'm just praying that we catch up because whenever we miss budget, there are things that God has laid out for us to do that we cannot accomplish. And so let's just finish in the black. Amen. That'd be good. So let's be, amen. And let me just tell you, we get to do ministry globally because of promisers and people that are so committed in the generosity journey, our sort of our cores, our foundation here, and we get to do so much. We get to launch campuses. We have a team this weekend at Costa Rica, at Promesa de Fe, Faith Promise Costa Rica, teams all around. God is doing a great work, and it's because of the generosity of so many of you guys. So, and it's just critical. Now, by the way, did Michelle crush it last weekend on Mother's Day? Man. <clears throat> Shell did such a good job. I'm so proud of her. Man, just killed it. I don't know how many mothers have done social media, emails, that just felt so, just felt so honored. And if you could have seen how nervous she was about that, and uh, it, didn't, you know, it didn't come across, but she really was, and just so proud of her. And, and sometimes you may think, you know, there's a lot of Stevens around here. <laughs> well, I, want, I, want you to, I need you to understand something. I prepared my family for the kingdom of God. So come on. So, hey, touchdowns are great. Tries are great. Goals are great. Uh, You know, athletics and GPAs are great. All those things have value, but they don't compare to preparing your family to serve the kingdom of God. So when my daughter, who is a volunteer producer this weekend, my two daughter-in-laws who are volunteer worship leaders, Michelle or Micah or Zach, Understand that I've been discipling them since the day that I was the day that God gave them to to me, and I want to prepare them. Does that make sense? Are y'all with that? We need to prepare our families for the house of God and to serve, and so it's critical. Now, by the way, we need about two hundred more Farragut missionaries to launch the Farragut campus. Do we want to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee? Are we committed to that? Then. We need about 200 more folks, primarily from Pellissippi or from the Blount County campus. As you leave, there are these fair get cards. Take them, fill them out, put them in there because we're building the core team, and we're going to launch that this fall, probably somewhere in August. And so it, we, we need a Faith Promise campus in virtually every community and a small group on every street. 
total penetration, total saturation, and then we really truly can. Making it hard to go to hell won't be a slogan. It'll be what we do. Does that make sense? So now as we launch into this series, Fix Rupper, I got to tell you, I'm super stoked about this. It is the passion of my life to help, as, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 28, to present every man complete in Christ, every woman. And so it's the reason I write books for you. I wrote a book about personal growth. Every book that I write for you guys that we give to you has a personal growth plan in it. If you look into your copy of the called out book, we gave 10,000 books out. There's a personal growth plan. It is my passion. Let me tell you, not just for here and now it matters, but it'll matter later and it'll matter in heaven. Does that make sense? Because you've got to be ready for what God wants to do in your life. Now, so as we think about a fixer-upper, if you've been around long, then you know I'm a sucker for a fixer-upper. And I got it from my mother. My kids call my mother Project Pat. Her name is Pat. And they say, you know, you're just like your mother. You have a sickness. They're ugly to me. Y'all just pray for me. They're ugly to me. You have a sickness. Why do you fix old things up? Because I've, I've rebuilt boats, I've rebuilt rental homes, I've built several homes, and, and I have re, I've re, built old cars, and, and I like to do it. Some people like sitting and watch TV, I like to work. Are you with me? And when I'm working, I'm building, I'm painting, I, I'm not thinking about the stress of the church. Does that make sense? It's just how I sort of, I just enjoy it. I know I'm sick, I got that. I'm a, and so we're really a passion, if you've been around, is not just building old cars, because I love old cars, I love old muscle cars, but I really, my passion is old Corvettes. Are you with me? So I, we, me and two of my friends have just about finished the last project. It's been two years. Let me show you how it started. I, we have a lot of words we use for that, none of which you can say in, on the stage at church. But that was, that was a hunk of junk. That, now, what most people would have done would have sold this car for parts because this car didn't have a value to work on. And that's where I was when God found me. The world would have said, junk him. He's a junkie. He's an addict. He's a dealer. He's worthless. He's, there's no value. Get rid of him. Put him in an institution. Are y'all with me? And so that's, that's, what, that's what the deal is. He's not worth working on. And, and, but here's the deal. God specializes in fixer-uppers. Does that make sense? So two years ago, we took those pictures. Let me show you today this car. A little nicer. A little per- now, now, this is, I'm not lying, this is pull me over red. <laughs> that's the color of that paint. And in Jesus' name, it won't happen. But it's pulled me over red. Let me see the next one. And so, see, what we love is the after pictures, right? We don't love the before pictures. And people said, man, that car's not worth it. Now everybody says, God, that car's beautiful. So if you're going to be a fixer-upper, which we all are, right? If you're going to work on a car, it really needs a good frame. If you're going on a boat, it really needs a good hull. If you're going to work on a house, it needs a good foundation. But there's a problem. This message is so important. Please don't zone out. Here's the deal. We look at the finishes, not the foundation. Come on, ladies. How many toilets and how much cabinet space? I don't care what it's built on. See, that's, that's, that's where we look. We want the finish without the fuss of the foundation. Is that true? 
Come on, let's be real. Now, if, you look, if, you're, if you've ever bought a home or looked for a home and you see the listings, renovated basement, man, refurbished kitchen, remodeled den, tile, hardwood, corian in the kitchen, man, we, we, we talk about all that stuff, the, the, the trim, the lighting. Nobody says built on a firm foundation. Nobody says this house is built to last, do they? Because none of us think about that. Why do we not think about foundations? You know why we don't think about foundations? Because there is nothing exciting about a foundation. Nobody said, hey, can I check that foundation? Hey, listen, we're digging the footers. Everybody come over. God, man, look how straight those, look at that. That rebar is artwork. <laughs> you see how they tied that rebar together? Holy do we do that? And then you pour the concrete, let's have a party. Look at the finish on those footers. Wow. We don't even care, do we? Is it a smart home? Is it hyperallergenic? Can I run my home from my iPhone? See, foundations are not a selling feature, but they really are a buying feature. Because foundations matter more than anything. Jesus taught all the time about your foundation. And, and one, of the, one of his famous teachings about a foundation is found in Luke chapter 6. He said, and we can, listen, first verse, we could, first sentence. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Kurios in the Greek, which means ruler, Lord, boss, or master. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Could we camp out right here? Come on. If I were to say, how many of you call, Je- how many of you call Jesus Lord? Let me see your hand. Come on, let's see. Okay. Now, why don't we do what he says? We're not going to mention the 75% that don't tithe. Oh, I'm sorry. And so, (laughs) why do you call me Lord and do not what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word. Now, the modern day church just puts a period right here and erases the rest. See, I came to church. I checked the box. Are you with me? I heard the word, what a great sermon. Whoa, man, Chris can do it. Well, preach it, pastor. See, that's as far as it goes. Everyone who hears my words, period, but Jesus didn't put a period there. And does what? Oh, my, there's, there, there's the rub, isn't it? And acts on them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house. A house, a family, a business, a ministry, a small group, a financial world. I will show you what he is like. He's like one that dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock, the Petra, the bedrock, the rock that doesn't move. He built his house on a foundation of Petra. And when the floods occurred, and will floods occur, and a new version would see crap happens. Does crap happen to all of us? The crap happens, the torrent bursts against the house and could not do what? Can't shake your marriage with problems. You can't shake your ministry because people are mad at you. You can't shake your small group because somebody got mad and left. You can't shake your financial house because it's been laid. On and on and on, built the torrent, and it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who has heard the word, but not acted upon the word, it's like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it what? And its ruin was great. Now, let me prove that. You ever been through a divorce? How about a bankruptcy? How about a horrible breakup with a friend? 
I can go on and on. See, those, are, those things happen, can I be honest? Because they were not built. Somebody wasn't built on a firm foundation. Does that make sense? Are y'all out there? It's critical. Because I believe God wants to build a great life with every one of us. Y'all believe that? And if you don't have a solid foundation, God himself cannot add on to your life because your foundation will not handle the weight of the glory of God that he wants to put onto your life. It's the deal. So give me three thoughts about foundations. All you builders get this, man. You guys, you guys get it. You understand. Number one, Jesus said there are two kinds of things to build on. One is a firm foundation, and the other is either faulty or no foundation. And a faulty and none are the same because when the storms and the crap happen, they're going to collapse, and the cost will be enormous. It'll cost your finances. It'll cost your health. It'll cost your family. It'll cost your kids. It'll cost your future. It's, it's, what, it, is it gonna, what, is it, is it costly when the house comes down? So number two, foundations are all found in the dirt. That's why you buy a house, you can't see a foundation because they're down deep in there. You can't see them. There's no such thing as a clean foundation. And if you're going to dig one, it's going to be dirty, gritty, grimy, horrible, sweaty work. There's nothing about it that, that's not work about building a foundation. Does that make sense? So my question is this, what's your, what, what are you built on? Number three, foundations are hidden from sight. You can't see a foundation, but you know what you can see? Evidence of a faulty one. Windows are jacked up. Can't open them. You ever gone to an old house and the windows, you say, it's got too much paint. No, the house is collywobbered because it's leaning because the foundation failed. Collywobbered, that's a Greek term. So, <laughs> or the doors are now jacked sideways and they won't open. Does this make sense? Or the, there's cracks in the walls or cracks in the bricks. And now the pipes begin to burst. Why? Because everything is jacked up. And what the Spirit of God said to me is this. There are people that are here this weekend that you're one, one storm away from a collapse. It's not too late. You've just got to start digging out the footers. You've got to start digging a foundation. And that, that foundation is the Word of God. He that hears my Word and acts upon it, I tell you, he's like a man who dug down to the Petra, the solid rock, and built his house. And when crap came, he stood. It stood. Does that make sense? It takes time to dig to the rock. Next three weekends, we're going to talk about renovating. We're going to talk about refurbishing and redesigning our lives, built, building them on a foundation. Does this make sense? Some people call this discipleship. Some people call this personal growth or personal development. doesn't matter what you call it. It matters that you don't miss a message in this series. So if you're at the beach, take your computer, plug it in, and don't miss one. Parents, this is not just about your growth. This is how you'll train your kids. My kids all had a personal growth plan when they were in elementary school. My kids had a word every year. I can tell you all my kids' words right now because I pray them every single day. I know where they're looking to improve every one of them this year. And so my wife and my close friends, some of our elders, I know what their word is, why I'm praying that for them every day because I want to see them grow. See, the foundation to a life that's worth living is a life worth working on. Does that make sense? If it's worth living, it's worth working on. You say, but pastor, my life is so screwed up, it's a mess. So was mine. So was mine. He fixed it. He, he's working on me. I'm not done yet. Philippians 1, 6, he that began the work will finish the work. Thank God he's not done. I'm not dead and he's not done. Aren't you glad? I'm getting better. That's what I tell Michelle. Don't get mad. I'm getting better. Don't just hang with me. See, God specializes, listen, 
in makeovers, not do-overs. We all want a do-over, right? But if you have a do-over or a makeover, your do-over's done. See, if you're about to go in your second marriage and your first marriage failed, and you don't fix the foundation, the second marriage will fail quicker than the first. You're going to business, your first business failed, you don't change the foundation, second business, small group, ministry, whatever. See, we want a do-over, forget a do-over, get a makeover. Fix the foundation that's, 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 that's leaning. See, the foundation to a faith that's worth believing. Do you believe Jesus is Lord? you believe the Bible? If it's worth believing, it's a faith worth working out. Paul said, work out your salvation, not for your salvation. It's by grace, but work from your salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. So as Christ's followers, we are called to be like him, and it's a lifetime process of personal development and discipleship. But listen, if you're listening, say I am. The more intentional you are about your personal growth and development, the greater God can bless your life. The greater miracles, the greater favor he can pour into you. It's the reason we try to build small group ministry. The small group ministry is the foundation, our core. The reason we try to get people to move to the core because that's our foundation. We need enough people in the core, enough people leading small, adult small groups so that we can assimilate, we can handle. See, when we get to a certain size and we can't handle anymore, God won't send anymore. And that's unacceptable, faith promise. Is that right? It's unacceptable. So that's why new people got to keep stepping up. So we can help people grow. The problem is this. Or we've got to be grounded in grit, laying a firm foundation. Does that make sense? Now, if you go, I'd, I'd see a good friend of mine. He's a surgeon in this, in this service. Do you want to go to a surgeon who got his diploma online? Cutting on cats. Or do you want somebody who's been to school for 100 years? Does that make sense? See, man, you want somebody, hey, hey, I want my team to work hard to win the championship. Is that, I, I, it's what we want out of others. See, your foundation limits the structure. You cannot build a skyscraper life on a chicken coop foundation. You want a skyscraper life, man. You want God's glory and power. You got to dig deep. Go watch in New York, watch them build a skyscraper. Look how deep that hole is before they go up. Go to New Orleans, there are no skyscrapers in New Orleans. You know why? The dirt's not deep enough. Watching one day, they, you know how they, how they build down there? They drive telephone poles into the ground and they build on that. Guys sitting there driving telephone poles all the way. Pew, pew, telephone pole disappeared because the water table is so high. They don't build anything big there. Jesus asked a question in Matthew chapter 16. Who do, who do you say that I am? That's the disciple. Simon Peter said, hey, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. He said, "At a boy. At a boy, Pete. Now, Pete, some days was the smartest, and other days he was the dumbest. Some days he was the best, and some days he was the worst. Some days he was the bravest, and some days he was the most cowardly disciple. I love Peter. Makes me feel good about me. Does that make sense? And so Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the most high God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Simon, blessed are you... Petros, and Jesus uses this play on words that people miss, and this, and, and so verse 18 has been radically misinterpreted over the centuries. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Petra, for upon this, uh, on this pe- 
Petra. He said, Peter, you are Petras, and on this Petra, I'll build my church. See, he said, Peter, you are a Petras. You are a little pebble. But upon this Petra, the same word he used in Luke 6, bedrock. He wasn't calling Peter bedrock. He was saying Peter's profession that Jesus was the Messiah that would be the Petra, the the the. the the cornerstone, the foundation that would be built upon. Does that make sense? Peter was not the foundation of the church. Jesus is. And he is the cornerstone. He is the foundation that we build our lives upon. Come on, as we follow him. And he said, upon this profession of faith, I will build my ekklesia, my from out, from out of ek, my called ones. We are the ones that have been called out. And what you are called calls you out. That's exactly right. You're called to be a saint. You're called a living stone. You're called part of God's building, a brick in the wall. That's what he says. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus places small stones on the cornerstone. That's us. And he builds a foundation and he pours out his glory. So why is it that we don't care about the foundation? I'm going to tell you why. Are you ready? Here's the deal. We all grew up on television and movies. And they gloss over the gritty work of foundations. You go see Captain America. He's a 98-pound weakling that couldn't whoop anything. Put him in a box, shoot him with juice, charge some rays, and he's a six-foot-six, washboard abs guy that can whoop anybody. That's what we want. Boom, boom, it's done. Nuke me, baby. Don't we? We want to go from powerless to powerful overnight. We want to watch a 30-minute fixer-upper episode. Somebody take a broken-down bungalow and turn it, a broken-down shack and turn it into a stylish bungalow in 30 minutes. Move that bus. (laughs) Come on. That's how we've been trained. And so not only as Americans, but even as, new, even as Christians, we prefer time-lapse photography to running laps. Don't we? We don't want the hard, gritty work of getting in the Word of God every day, of developing a plan. We love to hear people quote Scripture. We just don't want to memorize any. We love people that pray. We just won't have that kind of time. Is this all making sense? you got to lay a foundation if you want to build a great life. Does this make sense? Man, we want our team to win. Don't tell me about the two-a-days in August. Get out there and win a ball game. We don't, we, we don't care. Someone use these four chairs as an illustration of how God works on us. Does this make sense? So we get to chair one, and God's got to fix it because it's broken. Now, you could go ahead and paint this chair, but if you don't fix it before you paint it, it's still worthless, isn't it? We were all broken when God found us. Revelation chapter 21, 5, he who sits on the throne says, behold, I'm making all things what? Right, for these words are faithful and true. I'm building my life on that which is faithful and true, on Jesus and on the word of God, because all other foundations are sinking sand. And when you have a faulty foundation, it is limiting and limited. You can't build anything great on it. So we gotta, we gotta fix, we gotta let God fix it, right? We were all born broken, weren't we? Then second, we gotta let God strip it. We gotta sand it down. Okay, now we fix the wood. Now we'll hold our weight. But now what we've gotta do is we've gotta, we gotta sand it so that we can make it look good. We gotta strip it. 
Next weekend, we're going to talk about the sandpaper circumstances. You want to talk about how to walk away victorious? Don't miss next weekend. Luke chapter 15, Jesus said, now he had spent everything, uh, everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he begged to be, he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He sent him into the field to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. You ever slopped hogs? It's gross. This guy, this Hebrew young man is so hungry, he would, he would eat hog slop. And no one was giving anything to him. Now, a good Hebrew young man couldn't touch a pig, could he? And here, what? Now, I want you, if you're listening, say, I am. This Hebrew young man was feeding what would never feed him. Now, look up here. There's a bunch of us feeding what will never feed us. We're feeding an appetite that'll never build a firm foundation. We're spent wasting time that will not get us where we want to go. Does that make sense? So what are you feeding on? Let me give you two things that are, that are just crushing faith promise, just making it so hard to do Number one's insecurity. So many of you God is calling to step up and step in the game of serving, but you're afraid you'll fail and you already feel bad enough about yourself that you won't try anything else for God. Does that make sense? Insecurity. And then number two is the cult of what we call comparison. We get on people's social media and we watch them. And we compare our life that's screwed up to somebody's three-minute highlight reel. Retouched up photos. Somebody took their green teeth and made them white. That ain't real. Come on. Listen, quit comparing yourself to other people. You don't, know what, you don't know what they're walking through. Man, you don't know what, what pain and problems they have. Quit comparing yourself. You want to compare yourself to somebody, compare yourself to Jesus. And look how far we all have to come. So what is he going to do? He's going to sand us. He's going to make us. He's going to, he's going to work on us. He's going to, and number three, see, once you've fixed it, then you've sanded it, you've got to paint it. In Ephesians chapter 3, I love this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Come on. The foundation painted with love may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, of, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses all understanding. Can I tell you something? God says, hey, get your tape measure out and see if you can get how wide God's love is. He said, go ahead and measure. See if you can get how high God's love is. And then when you get down with that, see if you can check about how deep God's love is. And then if you, as you get down that, see if you can see the breadth of God's love because his love is so, deep, so thick, so deep, so high, so far. It is so vast you can't even comprehend the love of God for us. No way around it. So he wants to paint us. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to, he wants, to co- he wants to cover us. He wants to preserve the progress that he's made. Does this make sense? And then, then once we've fixed it and we've sanded it and we've painted it, then we come back and we, put a, we seal it with a coat of varnish. A co- we put a sealer on it. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says this. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, 
Having also believed, you are now sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, once you are saved, listen, God begins to seal you with the Holy Spirit because you cannot grow, you cannot increase, you cannot become all God wants you to be without the power and the sealing and the supernatural work of the presence of God in you, and that's called the Holy Spirit. We need to be sealed. Some of us have never asked God to fill us, and I'm telling you, every day when I put my feet on the floor, Holy God, fill me, seal me, baptize me fresh, consume me, cover me, Engulf me. Let me be. walk in the power of the Holy Spirit today. And the Holy Spirit preserves the progress that God is, is, is doing in our lives. It's preserving because, see, you can even paint it. And water is great. We all need water. But if, water get, if you don't paint it and water gets inside this chair, it's going to rot this wood, isn't it? And so God's got to seal it to preserve what's going on. He wants to preserve your character. He wants to preserve your holiness. This makes sense. The problem is we live in a culture where we value charisma over character. That's what we value. How many people want to keep a cheating coach because he's a winner? Come on, listen. I'll name them. I'll, I'll show you, the, I'll show you the, the, the petitions to keep coaches that continue to cheat because they win. See, today we don't value holiness. We value people that win. And can I tell you something? God values holiness over winners every day of your life. Come on. Critical. See, the process of fixing it, sanding it, painting it, and sealing it, the process of digging foundation, the process of personal growth. See, the process precedes the product. And we want the product. We want to be nuked right now. We want to be Captain America. Does this make sense? We just want to get in the box, get shot with some drugs, shot with some rays, and come out. We don't want to put the fork down. We don't want to go to the gym. And I got it. Hey, listen, all this is hard. At 9 o'clock every night at my house, an alarm goes off. It's ice cream time. <laughs> it really is. See, what I want to do is eat to live, but what I do is live to eat. There's a big difference. I love food. Y'all love food? I got some tilapia at home. And we're going to, I'm going to blacken that tilapia when I get home, and we're going to smother it in crawfish etouffee. Nobody, you're not welcome, so don't come ask. <laughs> and so, but, but the deal's, man, you got to get in the gym. Are you with me? you got to get in the Word. You've got you to dig deep. See, Christ is the cornerstone. If you're going to build a house, they go out there with a transit, and they get the one spot they know is right. And then they lay, that, they lay that, and then they begin shooting the lines, measuring with that, and they, they make sure it's square, and then they start digging. Then they put that rebarb, and then they, they tie it all together, and it's got to be inspected. And then they pour concrete on it, and it's got to be right, and it's all inspected so that when the house is built, it won't crumble. Does this make sense? God wants to do such a great work in your life. But if you won't do the gritty, grimy, dirty work of building a foundation that God will say, there's nothing else I can do. There's no, there's no, I can't bless him anymore. Because success is the greatest test of character, not failure. And God said, I can't give them anymore because they can't stand anymore. And they won't, they won't dig deep. Is anybody with me? The reason that, one of the reasons that God has put such favor on me and the ministry is I am absolutely wholly committed 
to growing every day. I read every day. I'm in the Word every day. Man, I'm trying every day. God, show me. Move on me. Does this make sense? Have I arrived? Absolutely not. But I'm pressing on to the mark of the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgetting everything that lies behind. I'm pressing forward to the mark. Come on. And my heart cry, my prayer, my daily intercession for you just every day, especially this week, God opened people's eyes to this message. I don't care how wretched you think the vehicle is. Come on, open our eyes that we would see, that we would dig, that we would prepare, that we would be ready, that people would step in serving, that we would walk and do all God wants us to do. Does this make sense? Come on, we can't limit the Spirit of God because we refuse to do the gritty work of building a foundation. So come on, get you a shovel. Some of it's hard. Dig anyway. Now, some of you say, man, I got it. Oh, I, boom, the light came on. Thank God. And some of you realize, man, you checked a box, but you really don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you're ready to, get, you're ready to make him Lord of your life. See, call me Lord and don't do what I say. And you're ready because you want God to do great things. So with every head by every eye closed, pray this prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've failed. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my foundation. I will follow you. Show me how. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Hey, campus pastors, come on, take over. Now, if you gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll fill the communication card out, drop in the offering box, or take you to our next steps. Now, if, you, if God has spoken to you, and there's about 200 people God is speaking to, Grab one of these on your way out, fill it out, take it to next steps or put it in the offering box because we need to start, we need about four or five hundred promisers to start because that campus is going to grow so fast. We, it, you, you can grow too fast as a church and we need a, we need a firm foundation in Farragut. Are you with me? Are you with me? So some of y'all guys need to go and get it. Has it been good to be in the house of God? Come on, do not miss a message. I love you. Be blessed. Walk in power this week.